That's the way you do it. Money for nothing, and your chicks for free. Well, more power to you, Mike. More power to you, Brian. The Steelers played like the three and one team they could and should probably be. And the Bengals played like the 0-4 team that they are. I know the stripes on the Bengal Tiger are supposed to make it harder to find in the jungle, but anyone in the NFL can see from about 300,000 miles away just how terrible the Cincinnati Bengals are. Just about everything went the Steelers' way tonight. I mean, uh, Bozzi even hit a 49-yard field goal. When it's going well, man, it's the best of times, is it not? <laughs> sure is. Yes, all is right with the world. For now, Pittsburgh got another win over Coach Taylor and the Bengals, 27-3. to Make no mistake, the Bengals were the bungles tonight. And Andy Dalton's performance in primetime has grown to mythical lows. And you know how much I love charting out these stats when we can. And uh, may I? Oh, like a kid on Christmas morning, I can't keep you from attacking this package. Cincinnati is now 6-16 and in primetime games in the Red Rifle era. Two and seven on Monday nights. So this was just what the doctor ordered. It looks like the Steelers were all having fun. I mean, we had the return of the celebration end zone dances. That was nice to see. You'd know that in order for us to have end zone dances, we have to get in the end zone. True. As we review the games this season, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to do call outs and shout outs. Call outs bad, shout outs good. You know, I want to lead with a call out, and that's going to be for the officiating. And you know where I'm going with this. When Mason threw that sideline pass down to Johnny Holton, he was flagged for an offensive pass interference on Drake or Patrick. Tomlin challenges the call. Pass interference is presented to Al Riveron. He reviews the footage to confirm that the Steelers are playing, and then he promptly rules against them. So the NFL needs to fix this in, in all seriousness. We all need some clarification. What do you think? Yeah, the zebras need to change their stripes. Go with the jungle safari metaphors tonight. Um, no, I mean, even the guys in the Monday night booth looked at the replay and said, okay, there's some jawing there at first. And like, you know, but we're not like changing the course for the receiver or the defender. No one's at an ad advantage or a disadvantage. Like, it's just ridiculous. And it takes teams out of establishing a rhythm, which this team especially needed to get into. It's a problem, and the fact that it can now be challenged, you know, we we more often than not malign Coach Tomlin for his lack of discretion in challenging when the guys at home are like, please don't throw the red flag. But this one seemed like, yeah, totally throw the red flag. I mean, it seems so obvious to us that was going to get reversed because it was so stupid. You're right. The, the officials, they are definitely getting caught out on that because that was bullshit. And luckily enough, did not derail the entire evening. But it's clearly going to be a storyline for this week. And in fact, it's been a storyline this season. It's been a storyline ever since the Saints got screwed over in their playoff game, right? Yeah, well, it should have been a conversation after the Saints screwed us over in the regular season game last year with two pass interference calls that sent the Saints up for scores. I'll be honest, I wasn't so upset with the untimely call for the Saints because they shouldn't even have been playing at home and we should have been in the playoffs. You know, if you want to bitch about the same thing, I'll break out my bag of complaints. I got plenty of them. Is there like letters to Santa Claus? All right. There is a never, it seems like there's a never ending wealth of complaints coming from this end. They got to fix this. I don't know what the objective is anymore. 
it can't become the new catch survives the ground. You know, we, we can't have it be the foremost storyline every week with the opportunity to replay and reverse or uphold the call. That's the other thing. That, that call was confirmed. It wasn't like the call stands. It, they, I'm pretty sure they said the call was confirmed that it was pass interference. So like unequivocally, they ruled that the call was right, which again, you're like, uh, how? How? But, you know, we can't, yeah, we, we, we can't let one particular aspect of the game and one extremely specific aspect of the officiating become the foremost thing that we're talking about because that kind of minutia, it ruins what we're going for, you know? It turns people away. It lengthens games for no reason. So you're just pissing people off. The sport has already given people enough reason to not want to tune in. So why add another why add another piece of wood to the fire? So that said, are you ready to review the game here? I mean, it's a lot easier to talk about these things when they go your way. That sounds great. You know, let's uh, let's review one that we'll want to remember. All right. So the Steelers offense really hit their stride in the second quarter. They found their rhythm. They got their groove back. The return to the run was a welcome sight, wasn't it? I mean, the one-two punch of Connor and Samuels just has to be a part of this offense moving forward. Yeah, uh, the first quarter, super frustrating to just see Connor running into these brick walls. Um, but the, you know, the Wildcat, you know, direct snap stuff to, to Samuels with some of the pitches from him to James Connor or to, you know, Deontay Johnson or whomever. Trickeration kind of stuff, but it got some momentum building. It got the ball moving, um, which, you know, 30 read on two straight up the middle. Yeah, that that wasn't going to work. And if we would have, you know, if we would have kept plowing like that, uh, probably similar results to that lovely Patriots game that opened the season. Right. James Conner outstanding tonight, 42 on the ground, but 83 by air. And also the use of Jalen Samuels, as you mentioned, they dusted off the Wildcat. You know, we've got more shout outs for the offense to come. But first, I don't think we can go any longer without talking about our defense. If we're going to talk about one timely error, it was the Deontay Johnson fumble that set the Bengals up for their only their only score of the night deep in Steelers territory and the defense just clamped down big time beautiful display harassing Andy Dalton all night just getting annihilated yeah I'd say the front seven completely manhandled the Bengals offensive line Dalton had just a miserable evening Cincinnati's offensive line is awful to your point I almost felt bad for Andy Dalton I don't know how he's supposed to take all that abuse shake it off and try and throw downfield. I almost grew a newfound admiration for him. Honestly, I'm not being smug. I'm being genuine. He took a lot of abuse. He had to shake it off, stand up, call a play. My heart went out to Andy Dalton tonight. Just a little bit. I'll keep my heart in my chest. I loved watching him get used and abused. Um, I don't feel so bad for Andy Dalton in that he's only a few years removed from talk of being somewhat elite, possibly leading his team to a Super Bowl. Well, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's Cincinnati, so it would have had to have been a playoff victory. But just could never take that next step. Had and, and has some pretty incredible talent around him. But when you use up all those chances, players are like, I want to go play for a winner. 
I mean, look at Andrew Whitworth. He goes to the Rams. They're playing in the Super Bowl. He could have stayed in, uh, stayed around to, to live out Marvin Lewis's nightmare. But, you know, these guys, when they don't seize their opportunities, eventually the team's going to regress. They had many, many opportunities and wasted them all. So I think we are just seeing the reckoning of Andy Dalton. And boy, is it ugly. He's certainly getting wrecked. So the Steelers' defense played relatively mistake-free. They were penalized only two times, and one of those was Joe Hayden in what was possibly a purposeful and strategic use of pass interference. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that one. It was just nice to see the guys just getting after Andy. Am I, uh, am I correct in eight total sacks tonight? You are correct. We have a parade of shout-outs to hand out tonight. As we mentioned, our front seven was just dominant all evening. Cam Hayward had a sack. T.J. Watt had a sack. Uh, Hargrave, Alu-Alu, Bud Dupree forced a fumble that was recovered by T.J. Watt. I want to give a shout-out to Mike Hilton for his role tonight. Mark Barron, pick on fourth and goal. When you're seeing all of these players contributing, it's not just one guy. It's the, the defense working as a team, and they are certainly firing on all cylinders. I mean, if this wasn't firing on all, all cylinders, God, I can't wait for I can't wait to go see the Bungles again. Because it could be 16 sacks. Total team effort, and everyone was playing out of their mind. Also seemed that the Steelers were able to defend the run. Mixon was mostly bottled up. No significant gains. Just 62 yards on the ground tonight. Now, Gio Bernard was able to convert a fourth and one late in the fourth quarter, but that was the death rattle in Cincinnati's offense. Well, and it was the sign of life post that Gio Bernard still exists. He's still hanging Uh, around. Well... At least he's hanging around and not getting hung out to dry out in the middle by some Andy Dalton dump off. I think he did do that tonight. Though. <laughs> well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. A once promising career probably, probably ended by passes over the middle. I'd like to give my own personal shout out to Gio Bernard said, dude, you know, good on you for keeping it up. Cause I'd have quit a long time ago with that bullshit. Well, I think we've heaped sufficient praise on the defense. Let's talk about the offense. Vastly improved game plan. They showed signs of creativity. It was exciting. It seemed like they were finally utilizing all the weapons that we actually have. Now, we gave James Conner and Jalen Samuels some love already at the top. So let's talk about some of the other guys here. We've got Deontay Johnson. As you mentioned, he lost a fumble. But he kept his head, you know. He, he comes out for a 43-yard touchdown. It seemed like they were designing plays to kind of use his speed out of the backfield, right? Yeah, and... That was also what got things going. Short little dump-offs out of the backfield. Little swing passes to Connor and Samuels. And it eventually opened up the field. This was the first time this season where I really felt that we were tailoring something to the current makeup of our offense and not just trying to square peg, round hole this team into what had worked with Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell for the last, you know, the last years of success. Got another shout out for you. We got Nick Vinette, our newly acquired tight end. Making an immediate impact. And that's good because now I know how to pronounce his name. Have you ever heard of Nick Vinette before he joined the Steelers? Maybe scouring the waiver wire in fantasy, you know, because tight ends are (laughs) tight ends. there's, There's such a limited amount of effective ones. Maybe I'm just making that up, too. Well, 
I did some Googling so our listeners didn't have to. He was drafted in 2016 out of Ohio State behind Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper that year, backing up Will Disley over in Seattle this season. And while Vance and Grimbler banged up, I guess all we got to say is welcome Nick Vinette. Keep blocking, keep catching. You know, you'll do fine. I do have a call out for the offense. Hate to do it. Going to have to. Got to call out Juju. It pains me, but it looks like Mason and Juju need to work on their Wi-Fi connection here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Seemed like there were two occasions when passes were meant for Juju's routes, but he was nowhere to be found. And like I said, he only had 15 yards tonight. Just because we have to call somebody out. Got to call out Juju here. It's going to take some time for Mason and Juju to develop that relationship, that almost ESP connection but it's got to get better than that. I mean, they can't be that much off each other's radar. Right. I think with these trick plays and wildcat, other teams are going to sniff these out. These receivers need to get involved. They're going to work once or twice. But if you try to employ them as an overall offensive strategy, the tape on that's going to make the rounds very quickly. And the element of surprise is gone. That's what makes those types of plays work. Statue of Liberty play. Use just once and throw it away. Thanks, Wilco. Nothing from James Washington, however. I think he was targeted once, although much has been said about the Oklahoma State connection between him and Mason. To involve James Washington, to get Juju involved more, and and also continue with Deontay Johnson, you're going to need to develop that down the field, like opening up the passing lanes. A lot of short passes tonight. Uh, which were working, and and ultimately, that was necessary. Mason started to look really relaxed by uh, by the middle of the second quarter, looked poised back there. We need to get him comfortable while also moving the ball down the field, and eventually, those longer routes will open themselves up, and we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see those plays uh, come to fruition, but... Don't want to put too much on his plate. Look, the dude just got his first win in the NFL, and that's something to build off of. Winning breeds winning, so thankfully we got one. You know, I liked what I saw from Mason. He showed some ability to improvise. I'm thinking about when he scrambled before that 17-yard pass to Vinette. So Mason finished the night 24 for 28, 229 yards, two touchdowns. He's trending in the right direction. Happy to see him get that first win. I do think that the young receivers need to work on some blocking. Uh, Pittsburgh should not have been stopped on that third and two in that one play in the second quarter. No. Jalen Samuels didn't stand a chance. He was tackled in the backfield. Hey, maybe they reach out to Steelers alum Heinz Ward, have him stop by and show show the receiving core a thing or two about blocking. Blocking and smiling. You know, other than catching, great qualities from Heinz. Blocking and smiling, that dish-eating grin after he just took out someone's someone's best defender well juju's got the smile down he does so now we need to work on that uh ass kicking inside block one last observation i want to throw in there with wins like these tomlin looks like a head coach that actually can motivate and can adapt and is a part of what's going on on the field so if I, if I could give an additional shout out to the coaching staff tonight, I would because usually <laughs> usually they're, the, they're definitely um, in the read between the lines, what the hell is going on portion of the, the call outs. But I thought in general, 
Tomlin and all the other coaches tonight, they called the right game. When things are going your way, there's very little to have to be critical about. Or It's not like it was a sloppy win. No. You know, they, the, the Steelers were only penalized four times altogether. And if you take away the controversial pass interference call and you take away Joe Hayden's intentional pass interference call, you only got two legitimate. I think one was an illegal formation. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it wasn't sloppy. No, it wasn't, it wasn't sloppy. And I guess we've just become so used to the battle-esque nature of these games against Cincinnati that now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, it was an all-out war out there. It wasn't you know, one team's leaving with broken arms and broken legs and the other team's leaving with some dude not walking, um, you know, maybe forever. Again, I, I do feel, part of me does feel bad for Andy Dalton, but I'm sure I'll get over it. Put some ice on him and he'll be fine in a couple of days. Andy Dalton is not fighting for the ability to wiggle his big toe. So uh, it all worked out for him. Let's talk about the AFC North now, Mike, because if the Steelers lost tonight, this portion of the episode was going to be uh, pretty dire. It's now very hopeful. The Browns did the Steelers a solid in beating the Ravens on Sunday. Next week, we've got Baltimore at Hines, and that's going to be a critical step for the Steelers. Baltimore's defense is vulnerable. And I mean, look what Nick Chubb did to him on Sunday. Again, we've got James Conner, Jalen Samuels, and if they implement this playbook, it could do wonders. Yeah, nothing against Nick Chubb, but I think James Conner and Jalen Samuels are, they're also very good running backs. So afforded the opportunity, they could gas the Baltimore defense as well. These Baltimore games, though, they always, you know, they always just seem to be more work than they should be. I do appreciate what the Browns did in in beating the Ravens this weekend, but the fact that Baltimore has now lost two in a row and the Browns kind of rubbed their nose in it by the end of yesterday's game, that amps up the magnitude of this game for both the Steelers and the Ravens. Because, yeah, if the Ravens lose and we win, we're sitting at two and three and we're above them. We're obviously still basking in the afterglow of that win tonight. And the fact that we're celebrating we're one and three and not oh and four. The Steelers took their first step up the step ladder to seven wins. And if they're able to play like this, they could get those seven wins and maybe more. Wins like this are so few and far between. I mean, this one started to get out of hand the beginning of the third quarter, but nothing was assured going into halftime. Boy, is it fun to just kick back and be like, wow. What a thorough dismantling of the other squad. Not only was it the first win of the season, but it came against a loathed division rival. And there was some chippiness, you know. There was still there was still some fighting, even though uh, Vontez Perfect isn't there anymore. Well, after and after today, Vontez ain't anywhere anymore for the for the rest of the season. Love owning teams in our division. We're something like Sixteen and two since two thousand sixteen. I don't know if this is even a rivalry anymore. And at least tonight, it didn't look like it was going to be a gurney game again. Thankfully, everyone seemed to come out of it at least in one piece. And if there are injuries, they weren't purposeful, hurtful, hateful ones. So that was cool. We need to enjoy this one and then just get back at it tomorrow because it's a quicker turnaround for this uh, Sunday tilt against the Baltimore's. Well, I just want to remind everybody that more power to you is 
It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Transistor Radio. If you have it, we're probably on it. At More Power Tunes on Twitter and Instagram. We do absolutely nothing on either except post notifications that the new episodes are up. You know, we're not going to clog your feeds with a bunch of nonsense, usually. All of our nonsense is contained in a half-hour program. And one more thing, we have a new email address, morepower2yins at gmail.com. If you don't have anything else, then, Mike, more power to you. More power to you, Brian. And more power to yins. <laughs> <laughs>